it's Lou Rosenfeld. Welcome to the Rosenfeld Review Podcast. I am here with someone who's made me very sad, and that's MJ Broadman. <laughs> Hi, MJ. Hi. Hi, Lou. What? How have I made you sad? Well, you're one of those great people I got to meet and partly moved to New York to get to meet. Uh, and then you went ahead and moved. Oh. And uh, uh, MJ went over to uh, GE Software, where uh, she gets to work in the Bay Area with uh, many other really smart people like Greg Petroff and Dave Cronin and a whole host of people. Uh, I, 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 there's such a great group you guys have put together there that it sounds like a, a really fun place to be. So I can't totally hold it against you. <laughs> I'd agree. It was difficult to leave such a vibrant community in New York, um, of which I was a, a part. And, and I have to say that was part of why I came out here the, to there's such a rock star team, or a, or I I think um, a superstar team. That's I'd had my eye on rock star. Uh, rock star. You're on the right track. I think rock star is a passe term anymore, but I knew that people in in our professional community that whom I respected greatly were sort of um, there was a, there was an amalgam of them. There, Greg was was hiring some pretty heavy hitters, so I'd been talking with him since the early days, in late 2011. Is he he joined G Software as one of the first few employees, um, and began immediately to attract some amazing talent. And so I I always thought if I moved out to the to California, which was had been a wish I'd harbored for a while, I thought well I'd, the first place I'd start was to see whether GE was a place for me. And so that's what ended up happening. But we can tell that story. Yeah, I, I'm very interested in. I mean, it, it, I'd like to to hear a little bit about what that transition was from working in an agency in, in New York to finding yourself in uh, an enormous beast of an organization, <laughs> General Electric, one of the biggest on the planet out on the West Coast. Right. Uh, I, w w did you experience uh, quite a bit of culture shock? Actually, no, because what's interesting and has been made this pretty seem really natural and normal for me other than the mental shift from being most of my career has been as a consultant I've placed myself inside of organizations and on teams and, and assembled with my peers to do project work uh, for the last 20 years I have been in and out of different kinds of agency settings both as an employee and as a contractor What's seamless about this is that actually GE Software, which has recently become a new entity called GE Digital, uh, GE Software was envisioned as a as a, essentially an R&D effort inside of GE Corporate Services, a business unit um, at the corporate level called the Global Research Centers, Global or GRC, of course, um, lots of acronyms. But the Global Research Centers are, are all over the world. They're physical places that um, contain just enormous talent in, in terms of science and engineering around GE's industrial businesses. And they're headquartered in Niskayuna, New York. So robotics and um, augmented reality and all kinds of amazing technologies that are, are being um, evaluated there. And those are feeding back into the, directly into the industrial businesses uh, in, in the form of um, expertise and consulting. So think about you know, I don't know exactly how many there. We're always opening new ones, but how many how many global research centers there are on the planet? But 
Gee, software was envisioned as a as essentially a startup inside of Global Research Center. So I think about it like a seed. Jeff Immel and corporate leaders said, we need to transform the way that we're making software, both in the method and in the approach. And they saw early that there was going to be a long-range play to leverage um, data and analytics. And so they said, we're going to put together a team and a new way of, of uh, thinking about how GE makes software in the Bay Area. We're not going to go directly into the heart of Silicon Valley, but we want to be in the area to attract local talent, the best of the best. It seemed like a good hub, and I think GE's corporate strategy is to place offices and corporate locations near but not in the metro areas that they that they are in. So, you know, for example, Fairfield, Connecticut, with corporate headquarters near New York, right? So we're in this beautiful office park um, in San Ramon, which people affectionately call San Remote because it is it's a bit of a haul from the from downtown San Francisco. Uh, but we're we're uh, not in the main thrust of the horrible commuting traffic that is heading to the valley, San Jose and so forth. And the East Bay is really uh, perking up. Um, I know New York Times covered Oakland in their in their um, places to visit section in this recent week. And there's some just there's a lot of great culture here. And you it it's just like Westchester or maybe even Brooklyn is to to uh, Manhattan in terms of the area and, the, and the, the geography. So back to the story of GE Digital. What's interesting about this, this quote-unquote startup that was GE Software, the vision was to create a platform, which some people know about and some people don't yet, but it's, it's emergent, which is creating the industrial internet. And it's a predictive data and analytics platform that we call Predix. And it, it literally is, it's a, it's a whole platform capability that we're building for ourselves for our own industrial businesses, for our partner and third-party industrial businesses. And it's also an open platform. It's meant to be something that's a play where uh, people subscribe and any size entity or individual could, could participate in that platform. Uh, so it's just, it's nascent. We've just announced it. It's being, there's some folks running betas on it. We've uh, pushed some production software out on it in the recent months. Uh, but it's a it's so far so good, and we've got a whole new design system coming emerging around that that will standardize and unify and so forth. And is that uh, some of the work that Dave Cronin presented at Enterprise UX last spring? He did. He talked about the first version of the, the need for a consistent design system, visual design system, the interface layer for GE software in general, because different business units were certainly observing general brand guidelines, but there wasn't, uh, there were no interaction patterns that went across different, different business, different businesses. So I'll pause there just to say, people think of GE, they just think of the logo and, and the, and that it's a big company. And the way I describe it is that we have the corporate services that serve all of the different business units, but then the industrial business units like power and water, aviation, uh, transportation, uh, which is freight rail, oil and gas, uh, healthcare. These are all basically companies of their own. They have the GE brand, but they're entirely, almost entirely self-serving. And so GE software inside of global research historically was a service to them. Businesses could come to us and say, 
we'd like to do something new and different with analytics, or we could, we'd like to revise the way that we're thinking about engineering software. We'd like to take advantage of your user experience services. And so um, we were almost like an internal in-house agency. And what's changed recently is that we've planted those seeds. And by being a startup inside of a big corporation, we've had that kind of constant change. We've had an entrepreneurial environment. We've had a lot of organizational change, methods. We're basically iterating how we are behaving as professionals inside of our group and how we're affecting the the GE businesses. So it feels to me the same as other kinds of environments that I've been in as a consultant. That's interesting because my assumption was that that transition was going to be a lot harder. And and thanks for clearing that up in the sense that you're you're essentially a, a move from being an external consultant to an internal consultant. But that said, I cannot believe that it was that easy. I got to think that we're <laughs> they're looking back now. You've been there a little over a year, if I recall. That's right. Um, that there are some things that were probably surprises, and there were some things that um, you wish you would have known going in, or wish you would have gotten brushed up on maybe before you uh, landed at, at GE. I, I think a lot of people in the field are making the same type of transition. Right. They're going in-house uh, when they have been consultants for a while, and even if they've been in-house, they're going from small to medium-sized organizations to huge organizations like yours. Right. What, do you, what advice do you have for people making those transitions? The biggest challenge is communication. It's, I've asked, I've talked with people at all levels, with my peers, how you communicate, how you help the organization understand itself and its actions when you're when you're dealing with so many people and different decision making chains, different uh, factors of how these organizations are structured has a big impact on the how much efficacy we can have as designers. It's not just where are we in the organization that is a that's a big factor, but how it's those elusive soft skills, your ability to take the design processes you use to solve project and, and program work. You need to use those same processes with the people around you. I feel pretty good about those on, on, for myself. I'm always learning. I don't have, I don't have it down. I'm not, not magic, but I think that consultative approach and that design thinking approach coming in and trying to map out who's involved here and what are their relationships. Uh, what's the decision making? Uh, what are the influencers? What and who are whom are are the influencers? And being really sensitive to that, and looking at when a friction emerges, which it you know you can't help it; it's everywhere. It, it, we're we're moving at the speed of light. Everybody is. We're we're inundated with information. It's all you know, not standing anything new. You have to think about what's really the dig down a little beyond what appears at the surface level and think about. What's what's really at the root here, and what's going to be my mo- what's the most efficient way to move that or to affect that in a way that is beneficial from my perspective? So it does mean canvassing, not reacting immediately, being a little strategic, looking ahead and saying, "I see that we're maybe heading down a path that I have questions about. Who are the stakeholders here? What are the outcomes? What's the risk?" And really trying to understand communicate about that and mitigate. So 
that's what I coaching I give myself that other people give me and that I give my my team the people that I manage it's not easy it's something you learn over time uh, but I think that exercising your empathy trying to be clear about communicating verbally and in writing one of the things we're I think we're poor at and we're getting poorer as just we human beings but particularly people in business we are not writing things down so that we have a record or and that needs to be pretty lightweight but whether it's email or there uh, it's uh, other there are a lot of different tools having something where you gain consensus around something before you enter into that activity or that spec or that process and then you have agreement about how you're going to go when things go off the rails you adjust you can point back to that that consensus that you have so documenting decisions absolutely and, there's yeah. so much too much assumption and too much miscommunication and then we end up uh, we lose time and we get frustrated and we have lower satisfaction when things go off the rails so a, a lot of people if you ask them in not just our field but in, in many fields what's the biggest challenge what do they wish they were had been better prepared for they're going to say something very similar about communication. That said, what I heard from you just now were a couple things. And don't let me put words in your mouth, sure. uh, so correct me if I'm wrong. But mm -hmm. first, you talked about communications in the context of time. And when you're inside an organization, not working on a client gig, but inside an organization, uh, especially a large one where things take time to happen, you have to have that added facet uh, in the communications of doing it over time, of, of seeing the long term and knowing that you have to sustain effort, not just to do your work, but to communicate your work over that horizon. And that, to me, introduces a, a, the idea of cadence in your work mm -hmm. that I, I think is probably a bit richer than it might be in a, in a consulting environment or in an agency environment. And I'm sure I'll, I'll probably get corrected by a lot of those people in, in this regard. The other thing I, I heard from you, uh, although I'm not sure you said it outright, was that there's a bit more pressure to do sense making. Yeah. A large organization has, like you said, a bunch of acronyms and it's split up in certain ways and the work gets done in certain ways. And there's cultural issues as well as political issues that you have to take into account. I wonder if there have been any sense-making activities that you immediately started doing once you got uh, to GE uh, software. So did you start, for example, sketching a map of the environment or some other sense-making activity to help you understand where the heck you found yourself? I did, but I didn't do that any differently than I would have elsewhere. Whenever I arrive somewhere, I find it really useful to use whatever tools I have available to me, a directory, uh, the other people on the project, uh, uh, folks who are my customer, my client, my the people who are directing my work. Make a map of the human beings, literally, and just sketch it out. And you're just, it's, an, it's an evolutionary process. You need to kind of know what the landscape is from a human perspective that, and, and how those people fit into uh, what their organizational relationships are as well, because here, G software inside of global research, uh, which by the way, I didn't quite finish. I'll just pause for a second and say G software inside of global research, effective uh, October 1, but truly January 1, 2016, 
becomes a standalone business unit in GE called GE Digital. So it's just that seed that was planted to finish that bit of story has bloomed into a full-blown entity of its own that's on parallel with the other industrial businesses. It will house all of the people who create commercial software across the businesses. The size of it and the scope of it and the impact of it on GE as a, as a corporate entity has magnified how many fold, tenfold or more. Um, so that's an exciting piece of news that's, that we're undergoing now. And it is, it is based on that platform. Muscle Todd. Thank you. It's exciting. It, I didn't imagine, I'm not surprised, but I didn't imagine that this, this would happen. We, I knew we were growing and um, the corporate leaders are putting a lot of stake into what we're building, what we're doing for the future of the company. Uh, it feels given GE's history as an, as an inventive company, starting with Thomas Edison, this is a huge, huge leap forward. It's uh, it's a, it's a interesting gamble. It's exciting to be part of that. Even now, now the stakes are even higher. Uh, GE digital aspires to be a top 10 software company or digital company um, in five years time. So there's a, there's a pretty significant bar that we're, we've raised for ourselves. Okay. What in terms of, yes, it's a big company. Yes. I'm now an employee. I have, you know, a six or eight digit, an eight digit number. That is my, my number. Uh, whereas as a consultant, I really just have a contract and, and maybe a company email ID. I, I did worry before I got here that I would become part of the Borg or that I would be required to be, be one with the Borg. But th the culture is not that at all. It might look like that from the outside, but it's definitely a very entrepreneurial culture. One I would say is not dissimilar to my uh, experience as a co-op student at 3M, where we have there's a massive company that's invent that needs their survival depends on their invention of, of the future and of the infrastructure that they're contributing to on an industrial scale. So that's pretty cool. The tactics I use, honestly, they're the same. The challenges in the environment are different. So the things I brought to the table in terms of sense making didn't really change. They were challenged more mightily because it is bigger, because there are more business units, because things are in flux, perhaps more than the circumstances I might experience um, at an agency. But we're doing the same things. We need to break down silos. We need to transform people's thinking and their existing processes and find ways to leverage everything. <laughs> we need to leverage process. We need to leverage power uh, to, to make those changes happen. And so it's forming alliances and trying to figure out the best right way to influence the, the best outcome. So my takeaway is, is if you are uh, a person in the field who is considering this move, the issue is less about how do you do it and more about perhaps understanding your strengths and being you know, ready with um, a polished set of tools that you may have already been using uh, for this new context, that if you're a good UX person, uh, you'll be a good UX person in, in that type of environment as, as you would with perhaps any environment. Uh, the, you know, and, and, and by the way, everyone, I was asking MJ about how she does her uh, sense-making, partly because I've seen her do it. MJ is the uh, official sketchnoter of the Enterprise UX conference. She did a wonderful job 
the first one back in May, and she'll be uh, back with us in, uh, in June, uh, June 8th through 10th, 2016, in San Antonio. Uh, and I'm so glad you're going to be back there uh, with us. Uh, it's always great to work with you, MJ. And um, one last thing, I wanted to just thank you uh, for many years of what they say uh, in, in the biz, meritorious service to the Interaction Design Association. Oh, wow, yeah. All the people that benefit from what you guys do at IXDA, between being on the board and being a, a involved as a judge of the awards and probably a whole bunch of things I don't even know about. <laughs> um, people who um, do things like uh, organize their peers to, to, to do good things together, uh, like the IXDA does, um, deserve special thanks. So. Thank you, and uh, thanks for joining us today. Thank you. I'm going to feed back that it's a uh, Lou. I think the Enterprise UX conference is uh, is sterling. It was a pleasure to be there, and, and both as a participant and as a a part of your team to to do drawing, visual sense making. Uh, as if you don't know, I'm a, a an advocate for going to the pencil and paper for any purpose or the whiteboard to do that sense-making, and that everyone ought to be able to do it. It's not the unique province of, um, of designers and people who, uh, who study design and have the hand skills. Uh, so I'm, I've done a lot of workshops through the years around that sort of thing. Just keep drawing. You know, don't say you can't. And uh, sketchnoting is a great way to think about synthesis. It's, it's a real-time synthesis. Uh, it's a great activity to try out. Um, it's easy to look up, and uh, there are a lot of folks uh, with great great resources around that. And then to the IXDA piece, I think the IXDA to me is probably a bit like the IAI is to you, the Information Architecture Institute, Lou. Uh, to, I got involved early and so I couldn't, I can't help myself but to keep a hand in and keep it, keep contributing back to the community. Um, and I actually will say that the, the latest effort, I'm, I'm uh, chairing the awards platform for this year with my colleague uh, Thomas Kuber from Berlin, IXDA Berlin and UX Camp uh, um, Europe. We are planning, I'm working with Brenda Sanderson, the, the Executive Director for Interaction Association, Interaction Design Association, IXDA, to, uh, we're hopeful that we'll be granted an, a National Endowment for the Arts grant to take all of the great content IXDA has amassed through the past decade or more. Um, it, it actually turned 10 years old um, in, in terms of its incorporation this year. And there are videos and uh, discussions and uh, five years worth of interaction design excellence from the awards platform that we, we believe they're scattered around in different web properties. We don't have a, an archive. We don't have a, um, a way of having educators find that or, or you know, folks who are looking for a new agency to find that. I'm going to be piloting a, or not piloting, I'll be running a workshop at the uh, Education Summit that precedes the Interaction Conference upcoming in Helsinki, Finland, uh, first days of March. Dave Maloof's education, and Fred Beecher co-chairing the uh, Education Summit. I'll be doing a workshop there to envision what that archive might look like from an education and student, a student and educator perspective, just to, to brainstorm that. So IXDA's a uh, close to my heart. And it's been a uh, part of how I've gotten to know some of the folks that have led me to these amazing opportunities professionally. So I you can't complain.
So uh, the, the message there uh, to leave people with is uh, you can hang out with MJ and help do some good through IXDA at her workshop the, early on in the IXDA conference, the Interaction Conference in Helsinki in, uh, in March. And in general, that kind of uh, contribution is just, uh, as many of us have found, then pays a lot of uh, rewards later on in terms of great people uh, that you'll meet and learn from and, and help as well. And, and that really then amps up your own career. Great talking with you, MJ. Thank and, you. Uh, um, I will uh, look forward to seeing you next time in your, your New York. Absolutely. And uh, thanks for joining us, everyone. I appreciate the opportunity. Bye bye.